As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Ian Novachenko, current co-founder at Inca Studios. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Ian and you represent uh, Inca Studios. How have you been? Very well, Paul. Thanks for taking the time to chat with myself. Um, Inca Studios, we are, I'll give you a little intro about Inca Studios. We, um, Go for it. It was founded by myself, Ian Ovachenko, and my mates, Andrew Coluzzi. And together we've been sort of prototyping games for maybe the last four or five years. Um, having gone to, to high school together, where we were mad into video games, um, and then we sort of got the feeling like, you know, with all these tools nowadays, maybe we should give a crack at making our own games. So, started prototyping a few games, and eventually ended up where we are today with Scouts Honor, um, which we showed off at PAX just recently, and had a really good response to yeah, which I, I heard a lot of people talking about the game. I uh, still continue to hear a lot of people talking about the game. We'll, we'll get to that one a little bit shortly. But I guess before before we get to the game itself, we'll, we'll rewind to, I guess, the very beginning of your story. What was your first gaming experience? What were the early days of gaming like for you? What was your first system? Those sort of those sort of origin stories, I guess. Yeah, I, I look back on my uh, history in gaming very fondly, actually. Um, and it all started probably on a... I can't remember what computer it was, but the screen was that sort of black and green style screen. Oh, yeah, okay. And we actually had we had one of my parents' friends give us Leisure Suit Larry 1 on it. It's an interesting way to get the ball rolling. <laughs> I don't know how old I was, but somehow my parents managed to um, let me check out Leisure Suit Larry to start with, which is interesting. Um, so that was that's my very first gaming memory actually, and then from there, I had a cousin who actually uh, installed like Doom, Warcraft Two, Mech Warrior Two, you know, a whole bunch of that that sort of period of games uh, on our computer, and that just really kicked off uh, my interest in gaming. I reckon. So was there always a particular genre that you really latched onto in those early years? Because uh, for me personally, like I was this big JRPG dork for my entire childhood and it wasn't until I kind of got a bit of an income myself that I then started experimenting with other genres. So was there one in particular for you that you really kind of gravitated towards in the early days? I reckon Doom was probably the biggest influence. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, probably, and it was, you know, back then I, my parents weren't too happy with me playing it, which was a bit of an issue, but... Um, I mean... These are the same parents that let you play Leisure Suit Larry, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Strangely enough, it was. Um, and yeah, Doom, you know, being probably first person and um, feeling so immersive. Uh, and also MechWarrior 2 as well, being first person. Um, I reckon those two games are a massive influence. And also, I love the soundtracks of those games. Really yeah. into the soundtracks. Um, and that's something that's probably stuck with me ever since is if a game has a really great soundtrack um that'll be a big draw card for me i reckon so 
do and obviously things gradually developed over over time was there a game at all and you spoke about how obviously how you you met andrew and things started to develop from there in terms of what eventually has now become inca but was there a game at any point that you can identify either in the childhood years or just as you've uh, grown over the years that you can identify as the one that maybe put you on the path that's led to now was there this revelatory moment where you've gone oh i want to make games and there was maybe a game or something that inspired that yeah, probably the making games portion of it happened uh, quite late, actually. Um, really, maybe it was you know a bit of a a light bulb moment. But the uh, the double fine Kickstarter for oh yeah, Broken Age, Broken Age, yeah, that was probably a bit of a light bulb moment. Like, hold on, there you know, there's all these tools out there available to us, like the Unity engine. Unreal Engine, that, uh, you know, maybe we should give it a crack ourselves. Um, yeah, you don't need to be a multi-million, multi-billion dollar organization to actually make a game. Nah, nah. So, yeah, that w- it was probably quite late that that sort of thought became a reality. Whereas I do feel sort of subconsciously that was probably underlying, you know, the whole way through, yeah. like, how good it would be to make games. But the reality of that, was yeah just needed that light bulb moment i guess so what uh what did those years i guess before you actually dived into inca into inca um look like what were you were you studying were you were you in another profession anything like that before i guess jumping across i guess um i was stuck in uh you know reality of um having to to work for a living and uh you know dory i'm still there <laughs> save up money to buy a house and all that sort of stuff so yeah i ended up studying architecture um because i I did think it would have a bit of a graphics uh sort of a graphical element to a bit of um creative expression in it i guess which is true to a certain extent but um you know unfortunately the reality of building buildings isn't quite that creative so yeah um, I mean, nowadays I actually work as a project manager in uh, outside of Inca Studios. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so up until Inca Studios was founded, yes, just studying and, and working full time, I guess. Uh, and I assume so. Obviously, you, you're working those two kind of professions hand in hand at the moment. Is there is there a hope that one day with a little bit of success for for Scouts Honor or Inca specifically that that you might then transition fully into gaming? Or? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the dream, I guess. Um, I th- honestly, uh, you know, when Andrew and I actually first started prototyping stuff four or five years ago, um, one of the first things we wrote down was that we actually did want it to be, you know, a commercially viable product strangely enough but also something that was true to what we enjoyed playing which sometimes don't go in hand in hand which uh you know or sometimes they do marry up perfectly so um yeah all along i we did i think even though we never said it out loud it was something that we did want to make eventually into our full-time profession so um I guess Scouts on is our first crack at that. Yeah, so how did it all begin? How did those conversations with Andrew ultimately begin? I guess it started off very informally, really. Like, we would just catch up uh, on a weekend. 
and you know sort of just start spitballing ideas about what game we could make um and then that eventually led to what, what how are we going to make it i remember the first the first idea that we had um we actually tried to do using um the source engine yep, yep. Um, but in using the source engine, it also came with a lot of um, uh, Valve um, uh, little caveats. Yeah, and a lot of better actually the um, Half-Life materials and textures were available. Oh, okay, right. It sort of turned into a uh, a mod. It, it sort of it started forming into a mod more than our actual own game. Yeah, okay, if that's it, that yeah, I can understand that. Essentially, what you're making was Half-Life 3. Yeah. And that's how I'll publish this episode with that headline and <laughs> you watch everyone will start to pick up scats on it real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, so we, um, you know, it, we've gone through this massive learning experience of, um, you know, choosing choosing an engine to start with and then, and then learning the engine and then working out limitations and then overcoming the limitations and... Um, yeah, it's been a, a massive learning experience, and it, it started off with, yeah, the source engine. That's what we started with initially. So, what have been some of those those lessons you've learned? Have there been any particularly hard ones, like some serious obstacles that you've had to overcome through development so far? Is it is it the challenge of working with? Is is it still just the two of you, or has it grown a little bit over the years? Um, it's basically the two of us, um, and then we've um, engaged. A couple of guys one guy to help out with the artwork the key artwork um for the game and another fellow to help with the music oh yeah, okay yeah and then myself I've, I've been working on the graphics side of things and andrew the programming side of things awesome yeah so, so yeah have there been any particularly i guess hard lessons you've had to learn throughout in terms of maybe yeah getting other people on board or just some of the the lessons i guess you learn whilst making a game especially your first game yeah uh the biggest lesson is definitely the, the scope working out the scope of things uh it's very easy to fall in the trap of you know let's make let's make the best game ever to start off with and you dream you dream too big basically for something that's going to be made by two people so yeah yeah, we've, we've definitely gone through, you know, probably about 10, 10 prototypes now. Um, and the number one thing that we always kept coming back to was uh, the scope was too big and we've, we've got to cut it down to something more realistic. Because the other challenge is, is when you're doing it part-time, uh, you're challenged with the, the time that you can give to the game. So Yeah, of course. You need to be smart with how you use your time, really. Um, you know, you don't have much opportunity to really, um, I guess, to waste at the end of the day. Like, when you sit down to to work on the game, you, you've got to be committed to it 100%. Otherwise, it just won't, unfortunately, go anywhere. So, initially, we, we were dreaming up ideas of, you know, these massive games that... Um, we're just too, too grand for our skills back then. Um, so we kept pairing back those scopes to something that was more achievable. Um, yep. and then for whatever reason, either we got, 
bored of the idea or we we did hit a, a challenge that was too big for us to get over at that period um, we would sort of move on to the next idea and so I think with Scouts Honor it was sort of a combination of the perfect scope which aligned with our skills at the time that sort of allowed us to really sink our teeth into it and uh, you know it really grabbed traction to something to where it is to get it to where it is today. So what have been some of those I guess uh, highlights or treasured memories that you've kind of encountered throughout develop- development so far? Because obviously we've just spoken about some of the more challenging aspects and yeah. the lessons you've had to learn there but there'll be plenty of high, high moments as well. You did just recently attend PAX so that's I'm sure that's something to consider. That that is definitely the number one highlight at, at this stage. Um, it was funny, you know, reflecting back on it, we were thinking, you know, when we started on this journey, would we ever have thought we'd end up at PAX? Both of us would have said absolutely not. not. So, you know, it is. It was a massive milestone, um, and we had a great time there actually, and we're looking forward to doing it again next year, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so that would be one um, massive highlight. Another one would actually be the first time we actually got a game to a point where we were happy to show it off to our friends. Um, oh yeah, that'd be a big deal. Yeah, because we never actually, you know, all the previous prototypes that I mentioned, we never actually got them to a point that we could show anyone. They were, you know, pretty much pieces of junk at the end of the day. So... When we got Scouts on it to a point where we were proud enough in it to show it off to friends and get their input, that was actually um, a highlight. Although, having said that, the first time we did show it off, it, it was a bit of a disaster because it highlighted like all the issues in the game and there were significant issues in the game. So it kind of, um, while it was a highlight, it also was um, a big eye-opener as to how much work there was left to go just to make it uh, actually like a game and a game that was potentially in- would be enjoyable. So Yeah, that, that makes sense. I guess like all developers from the very biggest and most experienced to the, the most inexperienced will, will have all experienced those sorts of things and you can really only learn about those products once they actually get into the hands of others because you know how your systems work and how they don't and you kind of play by your rules to an extent, whereas other people don't. So they start to just naturally break the product a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, and when you when you are just, um, you know, first-time game developers, you don't really appreciate the fact that other people won't see the game like you see it. So you do, yeah. you do have to sort of not maybe sort of bend it so it is more so you know it can be seen from more perspectives i guess or you know it is more easily approachable or you know tweak things so it is more fun and yeah it was, it was actually quite eye-opening the first time we showed it off to friends but then actually so we, we went through this process where we we showed it off to our mates and then we'd iterate on the game and, and keep sort of uh, tweaking things up until probably about a month before PAX, we'd locked in another date to uh, show off the game. Oh, yeah, okay. And at that point, we actually had like proper music in the game and 
all these little tweaks that we'd put into the game. And the first time they played it, they, um, you know, the game is set against the timer, so you've got to complete your objectives yep. before the time runs out. And they, the guys made, the, the guys knew how to play the game by this point, so they sort of jumped straight into it. But they managed to complete the game just um, before the time ran out. And but what that meant was they, you know, it the game actually fulfilled its its promise where uh, it showed off its potential that this is actually a fun game that and the, you know the time ran out and they all cheered like yes we finished it just in time and they were so excited and we were like holy shit that's actually the key to our game you know that's what makes our game different it's actually a time game and we need to embrace that timed element of it so yeah, yeah the, the play testing has been really eye-opening and uh, very much worthwhile so I guess we, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about the game in a little bit more detail. Maybe you, for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with Scouts Honor, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the game and, yeah. and what the intent is there with it? Absolutely. So Scouts Honor is best described as a four-player couch co-op game where the objective is uh, to set up camp before nightfall. So you choose... One of four scouts. We've got four scouts in the game at the moment. Um, choose one of those guys. Very interesting cast. I've I've noticed as well. Yeah. You can go. You can go on the site and read read a little bit more about those characters if you wish. Yeah, we we, we want to try to. We wanted we ideally like players to identify with the characters. Um, so they've each got their own little unique backstory, and maybe you know bits of that will resonate with people. Um, so that's our hope with the, the scouts. Um, and and also the game, we want players to sort of go on a bit of a journey with these scouts over the map. So, yeah. you know, there'll be a sort of... There'll be a bit of a high-level story tying the whole game together where in between the levels, you, you sort of travel on a, uh, a world map connecting all the in- individual levels together. So yeah. we do want to sort of give you this sense of you are sort of going on this journey cross-country with the scouts and, you know, going through forests and various places with them. So that, that was the... Um, that's why we, we have sort of kept it to these four scouts and given them a bit of a personality and a backstory. And so yeah, the game is... Um, your objective is to work together with your other players to, to set up camp um, before the time runs out. And we've sort of tried to make it as sort of chaotic as possible by throwing in various elements into the environments um, and also just, um, you know, the, the, the timed element of it as well gives it a bit of a heightened uh, sense at all. So what are some of those obstacles and what happens also if you fail? Obviously, you know, it'll be there's like a fail state, I guess, if you, uh, if you don't complete the task before nightfall. But what happens at nightfall if they fail to get set up in time? Uh, look, basically, at this stage, you just won't get the maximum score, I guess. Um, I think what what we'll be doing is um, sort of building the world into various zones, and to progress yeah. to the next zone, you'll need to accrue a certain amount of points or, you know, get to a, a certain level um, that you can progress to the, the, those, the next stage, so... Um, I guess by not finishing it in time, we'll, we'll penalise 
uh, those points that we're awarding you. So you'll have to do more levels or you'll be stuck in that zone longer before you can progress. That makes sense. You can sort of teach yourself, um, you know, the rules of the game and, and work out how to get more efficient at, at building a campsite and things like that. Yeah, and I guess given it's a couch co-op game and I guess uh, some parallels to Overcooked I've heard have been raised over the journey in terms of that same sort of work together, chaotic sort of um, scenario. Uh, I guess one of the main catches will be learning to work together as a team to coordinate those sorts of tasks to make things efficient. Yep, that's right, yeah. And I guess one of the ways we've we've felt we've dif- differentiated ourselves from Overcooked is... Firstly, you, you can complete the level before the time runs out. That is the objective. Um, and secondly, you you actually can build sort of... You're building your tents and your fire, your campsite on the level. So you, you can choose where you do that. Um, and that's sort of one of the challenges we're trying to um, bring to the forefront of the game is like, you know, by choosing where you place your your tent or where you place your fire relative to the resources available on the map um, will allow you to complete it quicker or slower. So we're trying to, you know, every sort of every sort of decision that the player makes, uh, we want it to be meaningful to the gameplay at the end of the day. Yeah, understood. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what are some of those aspirations for the game going forward? Because obviously it's still, a, it's still a work in progress at the moment and you've, you've got the core idea there and people seem to really enjoy what they what they played at PAX but uh, where, do, where do you see the project heading as it inches towards completion I guess yeah so we've got um, I guess up to now we've been working on getting that sort of that core gameplay down pat and enjoyable and, and working quite solid um, which you know it has been a bit of a challenge to get it to the, get it to that point but you know that that was our our goal for packs. Obviously, you know, showing it in front of so many people it has to be fun. So I feel like we've got the core gameplay down pat. It's now a matter of expanding up the levels um, and that and that world map. So getting enough content in there that it is it does feel like a full game. Because I guess at at its current state, it's uh, sort of you know a bit. Bit, bit bigger than a demo sort of size of a game yeah okay right I'm, I follow yeah uh, so how does because obviously most recently you were at PAX and that was a that was a big moment for you and the team yeah um, how does player feedback in a scenario like PAX come into it now we spoke before we actually started recording this about a, a friend of a friend of mine Buddy Watson from, from Dash Culture who yeah. uh, played that game quite a lot through packs and he was he was very very happy about it and it's the same guy that says celeste is the best game of 2018 and he's already of the mind that of uh that this will be <laughs> close to if not the best game of next year or whatever year it eventually comes out um <laughs> how does how does player feedback actually come into the picture there how do you take that information disseminate it and actually take what's what's relevant and useful because it's got that's still got to mesh in some ways with your plan for the game as well yeah no absolutely um, I think, I mean, you, you get a, the interesting thing is you get a, a, a wide variety of people playing the game at something like PAX. So you do get a whole lot of um, opinions and, uh, you know, various 
sort of levels of gamers, I guess. You know, you get people that are familiar with games like Overcooked and can sort of just come in and play it quite easily. And then other people who, who aren't quite familiar and do maybe need to be coached along um, how to play it. Um, and that you could tell that that to some people is a bit frustrating as well. So it, it, you get some extremely valuable feedback, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, and it's just a matter of working out sort of like, you know, obviously when people enjoy it, that's, that's easy. You don't need to really worry about, um, you know, you don't, you don't need to change it up for those people. But yeah. when people find it frustrating, uh, you do need to delve into why they found it frustrating um, and then work out whether or not it was an issue really with the, the game itself or the design of the game, um, or maybe it was something that just wasn't, a lot of the times it's just something that wasn't communicated well to the player. Yep. Um, and there was a lot of times where Andrew and I were standing around, you know, really directing the players on, on what to do. Um, so, you know, there's probably a lesson learnt there that we need to find better ways to communicate to the players in the game how to work out... Um, so does that kind of then, I guess, feed through to the way you maybe tutorialize a bit? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, as well, with something like PAX is, um, at least with our game, because the levels are around four minutes long, um, most players will only play sort of one stage and then move on. So yeah. you, you, either, you really only get one chance uh, and then they're gone. And because it's four players as well, that it's four players at, at once. So... We, you know, we're trying to make sure we're giving off the best impression in that first instance, um, which is why I think we were tending up coaching a lot of people on how to play it. But I think in the full game, um, when people have the time to actually sit down and learn it themselves, it might actually, uh, that frustration that they're having at PAX is more so due to the time frame of the pressure of I only get one level and then... I've got to move on to the next game at PAX, whereas if they've bought the yeah. game and they're at home with it, they might be more inclined to actually sit down and take the time to learn it themselves, which is also part of the fun, learning the game yourself. I think there's a lot of value in letting people discover things themselves without telling them overtly how to do things, but it's just obviously a bit of a fine line. Yeah, striking that balance would be difficult. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I think uh, from PAX, you know, there is certainly a couple of things that we can improve, but we don't want to go too overboard with it, bearing in mind that, um, yeah, most people just come and play it for four minutes and then they're gone. So, yeah, well, um, certainly lessons learned there that we'll uh, be implementing. Yeah, it is an interesting one because yeah, the, the PAX, like a convention setting is very different to what you would get if someone takes a punt on the game on... Uh, PlayStation Network or Steam or Xbox or whatever whatever it happens to be because they've made that investment so they're perhaps more willing to see it out for a little bit longer to learn the ropes and and whatnot. Whereas, yeah, that, that setting when there's so much noise and so many other games and, you know, people probably got their own internal checklist, I want to try this and I want to try this and I want to try this. Um, the temptation to go, okay, cool, I've, I've seen what I've seen and I'm ready to move on must be very tempting for them. Uh, and that, that includes even media types that, you know, okay, I've got appointments, I've got this, I've got this. So being able to retain that interest is really key, I guess, in those sort of scenarios. Mm, that's right. 
yeah. So I think that was something that we were very mindful of. Um, you know, people's time is quite valuable at these sort of things. So we did want to sort of help them to learn the game as quickly as possible and hopefully find that enjoyment in it. But certainly our hope is, um, yeah, people will, will take the time to sort of learn the ropes themselves. Um, and yeah, the, the question that probably is like, do we want people to sort of like, are we happy with people to essentially, you know, almost like lose the first level, but at the um, at the benefit of the the joy of learning it the second time round, almost. Yeah. Do you feel like overall mission accomplished from PAX in that setting, in terms of those those things we just spoke about and what you're looking to achieve from your your general consumer that wanders up to the game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know it's important to sort of get validation that we're on the right track with the game, and it is something that uh, is firstly enjoyable to play. Um, and I think, yeah, generally we did get a lot of positive comments, which is which was wonderful. Fantastic. So as we start to to wind things down, we'll circle a little bit back to you more specifically. So. Uh, what do you see the future holding for you in terms of your time in games? Now, obviously, we spoke before about the goal being that uh, you'll be able to step away and move into Inca and what you're doing in that space yep. more permanently. Um, but, yeah, how do you see things kind of tracking at the moment? Um, I think the first... I'm very big on just sort of like one step at a time with things. So yep. at this stage, um, just trying to stay focused on getting scouts on a completed um and i did just want to actually add um you know, we're aiming to basically get the content completed for scouts honor uh, by mid next year so yeah um but th- the issue is uh we need to we need to and we want to get it on get it out on consoles so we just need to look at the most efficient way to do that i guess um Yes, there are hoops going to console. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have touched base with Nintendo, Sony, um, and uh, Microsoft. Um, and the, you know, the, there hasn't been any issues to date, but it is just a matter of working out exactly the process we go through to get the game ready for those systems and then... Yeah, certification and all those sorts of processes. Yeah, because obviously, you know, the first time... But either of us, either of us has uh, done it. So, yeah, we we'll just need to go through the process of working that out. Um, and ideally, you know, we'll we'll probably reach out to the uh, gaming community and find out, get some hopefully some information from other people that have recently gone through the process. Um, yeah, and work out the best way to do that. Um, but we are targeting mid next year get it out uh and the other the other big question actually at pax that we got was um are we going to have online multiplayer oh yeah okay yeah that's something that um is you know again we're not we haven't had the experience of going through that before but um just doing some research on it does does sound like a bit of work's involved so you know, realistically, whether or not that makes it in by mid next year is something we'll make need to make a decision on. But um, it is something that we do want to eventually get in the game. That's for sure. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, taking that feedback again, really, really useful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of myself, um, you know, once once we get the game out, um, I mean, like I said earlier, I want to make this basically my full-time profession going forward. Um, so, ideally, we'll end up rolling onto the next game uh, at Inca Studios and, and hopefully uh, drawing in some, some other people into the fold as well so we can... Uh, you know, keep making the games that we want to make, I guess. So without getting you to spill the beans, because that would be a little bit harsh, you did just speak about what might potentially be next for Inca Studios, and obviously Scouts Honor is still on the list, but is there are there already conversations kind of going on about what could be next, be it, and again, I'm not trying <laughs> to trick you into anything here, um, yeah. you know, whether that is potentially a sequel to uh, Scouts on a, based on, you know, feedback and reception and those sort of things, or is it something else? Like, are there, are there ideas already kind of brewing in the background about what could be next? Yeah. Well, I'd hate to... Again, feel free not to actually state what those are. I'd hate to make any promises, um, but, I, you know, I would give everything the caveat as with, you, you never know what, what will happen going forward, but... Absolutely. I think at this stage, um, you know, it is hard working on a game for, like, three or four years non-stop um and i think you know after a while you do feel like a break from it break from that sort of world and jumping into another world uh would be valuable so and you know and andrew and i have worked on about 10 previous prototypes of various things that i don't know maybe one of those that we might look at again and actually polish up into something that could be released but um I mean, nothing. We, we yeah, have... I guess with all the the things that you've learned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just saying, yeah, with all the, with all the things that you kind of learned over the journey, the, like those those sort of ideas can come back and really assist in what you're looking to do. Oh, going absolutely. Forward. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those games, a lot of those prototypes, end up stopping from being anything just because of our our limitations with our skills. Really, yeah. you know, back in back when we started, um, just learning how to animate a character to to walk was was a challenge and then let alone getting that into the game to actually to move when you press you know press a key or something yes. uh, you know we've had to learn everything from scratch so so yeah we, we you know just coming across those basic limitations uh in the early days uh would cause us to drop one of those ideas but now uh, now that we actually have the skills, yeah, we could potentially look at those those previous ideas again. But nothing we haven't discussed formally what we, what we do going forward. Uh, but we definitely have a desire to continue working on on games. That's for sure. Fantastic. Well, like I said, as we're as we're wrapping things up, we might uh, kind of close out with a few final details. So you are obviously targeting uh, mid next year. For release yeah that obviously may not eventuate with some of the ideas that are going on but you are targeting mid next year yeah uh if if fans or potential fans or those listening today yep. uh, wish to reach out and learn a little bit more about the game where should they go so everything can be accessed primarily through our website our website which is www.scoutsonagame.com um and that'll link you to our our twitter um and our steam we've got a steam page up at the moment where you can wish list the game at this point um and yeah you can follow us on twitter for for any updates or just you know we shoot out um 
various screenshots of things that we're working on and things like that. And we'll probably ramp that up for the next six months while we uh, really work on closing out the game. So, yeah, through the website is the best way. Well, Ian, thank you very much for your time. The game is looking fantastic. Reports coming out of packs are great. And again, just keep leveraging Buddy because he'll promote that game. <laughs> Something shocking for you. You're onto, you're onto a good one with him. But, uh, uh, but, uh, we really appreciate uh, that. Thank you very much for your time. And, uh, good luck with the continued development of the project. And, well, thank you again. No worries. Thanks a lot, Paul. Really appreciate it. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Ian Novachenko's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.